Riddle and Kevin Owens make their way to SmackDown. Raquel Rodriguez gets another shot at Ronda Rousey. Cody tells Seth he'll see him in hell, and Jey Uso reminds us how good he was as a babyface. All that and so much more on this week's WWE Week in Review right after this. If you're looking for a -a one-of-a-kind wrestling merchandise website, then check out WrestleMerchCentral.com. That's WrestleMerchCentral.com. They're a UK and European-based company, and what they do is sell merchandise on behalf of wrestlers, promotions, podcasts, wrestling designers, anyone or anything pro wrestling related. They're no strangers to the world of wrestling and wrestling merchandise, and they're brought to you by the team at Event Merchandising Limited. And you got to check out the Mentality Show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the Mentality Show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Alright, everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast for this Sunday, May 29th, 2022. And I appreciate everybody joining me here tonight. I hope all of you are having a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, or it was a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, depending on exactly when you're listening to this. It will depend on whether or not my statement makes sense, but uh, nonetheless, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day and uh, morning, whatever, to uh, to join us here. And uh, we're going to get into some wrestling. We're going to talk about this week in WWE, as it is now officially Hell in a Cell week. We are uh, getting very close to that event, which takes place this coming weekend, a week from tonight, I believe, does take place on a Sunday. I got used to the Saturday thing, but it is now going to be a Sunday that uh, it returns to its former and, I believe, proper place as a pay-per-view. Yes, pay-per-view. Um, and Hell in a Cell does take place that day. That means this week is a little bit different, meaning we have more content, but also Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan are going to be here for the mailbag. So if you want to get your questions in, Go ahead and do that and send them to us via the uh, real. Uh, you can do it on email, real WWE podcast at gmail.com, or you can call in. Our call in number is available on the in the description of our mailbag show. Just click on our show. It's literally right there. I'm also launching and I did launch a brand new after show. It's the WWE podcast after show. And you, you have to type in that whole title because I mean, it just started. So it's not exactly high in the rankings. Let me just tell you that. Uh, but if you search WWE, the WWE podcast after show, you'll see our logo with just the after show text right below it and subscribe. And what's different about it is it's a show that you can listen to. That's not all about wrestling. It's a little behind the scenes, a peek behind the curtain, and you get to hear a little bit about the show, how it got started. You, I, I also, in my very first episode, Provided some podcasting tips for those just starting out, mistakes I made, and I mean, it, it's very high level. But I think that if you are considering starting your own, certainly I would uh, take a take a listen to it. And also, I'd appreciate the support of that uh, of the show, trying to get that going. So, search the WWE Podcast After Show and hit that subscribe button, and uh, it's available everywhere that all of my other podcasts are available. So, okay. That uh, that does it for that. Again, if you want ad-free, though, many of you have taken us up on that. Patreon is a great place. Patreon.com slash Podcast or website at WWPodcast.com. So, all right. So let's get into this week in WWE, guys. There's, you know, I say that every week that there's a lot to get to. And sometimes there is, sometimes there is. And I feel sometimes I just say that because it's just routine that I say that. But at the same time, there's always a lot going on in the world of wrestling and it's a, it's a professional wrestling is always an industry that there's news and things breaking, you know, and this is something I wasn't going to start out talking about, but given the magnitude of this, 
it does seem like something that I should address, and that is MJF. MJF has recently gone on a bit of a tirade on social media, Facebook and otherwise, not outright bashing AEW, but posting pictures that would suggest that he's WWE bound. He, I mean, he's constantly talking about 2024. He recently posted a picture of him and The Miz as a some kind of uh, fake promotional poster of him and Miz going face-to-face, which, by the way, would be amazing. Uh, as much as I despise The Miz, it would just work. I think those two would have a hell of a time uh, against one another on the mic. And actually, here's an update. Uh, this is from Wrestling Inc. So this is not a work, and he is apparently threatening to no-show the AEW, AEW Double or Nothing event. <clears throat> and they say, and I'm quoting, uh, the situation surrounding MJF not showing up at an AEW fan fest yesterday continues to evolve. As noted earlier, despite being scheduled for meet and greets at AEW fan fest yesterday, MJF didn't show up to the event and couldn't be contacted by AEW management. During that time, MJF was spotted playing the slots at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino instead of arriving at his scheduled appearance. It was later revealed that MJF had booked a late red-eye flight out of Vegas, but according to the latest update from PW Insider, MJF currently remains in Vegas and didn't fly back to the East Coast overnight. They emphasize this is not a work or a storyline, and that AEW is very unhappy about the situation and communication between both parties has fallen apart. MJF has appeared in several interviews over the past six months, emphasizing he wants a bigger payday from his contract. He's often vowed that if Tony Khan doesn't give him what he deserves in a big deal, he'll sign with WWE and Vince McMahon. So, things... Okay, I'm going to take this at face value right off the bat and say that this, assuming that this is not a work, right? I'm going to go with that assumption because otherwise that then that throws a wrench in everything, but I'm going to go with this isn't a work, right? So if it's not a work, that means that MJF and, and AEW, their relationship right now is on the rocks. And, you know, we've had MJF for the last several months say over and over and over, 2024, 2024, I'm, I'm, my contract is up in 2024, right? And... I've been looking forward to 2024 because I think WWE will actually sign him. But the strange thing to me here is you have MJF doing this way ahead of time, like 18 months ahead of time. You have MJF completely just seemingly embarrassing the company 18 months ahead of time. Does he think that they're just going to bend to his will? And give him money now? I'm not sure exactly what he's expecting out of this. You know, I want to, I do think WWE will pick up MJF at the end of his contract, but is he going to ask for an early release? It just, it doesn't seem like MJF has any leverage right now. MJF needs to fulfill his contractual obligations. And if he doesn't, he doesn't get paid. And he could be released from his contract without WWE or AEW having to pay out the remainder of his contract. MJF right now, if this is true, MJF is, I, again, this sounds a bit, um, I, I don't know, simple, but he sounds kind of, it sounds like MJF is not playing this the smart way. I understand that he wants to be paid as much money as possible knowing that he is as good as he says he is, and I think he is. But you don't, as you're trying to go to a new employer, if that's MJF's goal, if he's trying to get to WWE and he's on the way out of AEW, not communicating with them well, uh, embarrassing them online, promoting other or, or posting about other promotions while you're still with one, another promotion, that is a bad look. Because it's the equivalent of being in an interview for a job you want, trashing the former employer you just had. It's just, it's not good PR for MJF's standpoint. So I don't, again, we don't know the intricate details. We don't know what's being said in detail on either side, if they're even talking at all. But if I were MJF, 
I would be as quiet as I possibly could be about this because you are advertising yourself to your new employer. And your new employer is saying, well, if he's doing this to AEW, what's going to stop him from doing that to us? You know, and I understand that, okay, those are the only two companies that have that deep of pockets, but still they can pull you off air. If, if, you know, if you're acting inappropriate and you're promoting other wrestling promotions while you're with another company under contract, they can still pull you off the air. I mean, they'll still have to pay you, right? Depending on, of course, the, the, uh, the, the violation that you, you have, but I, I don't know. This is, um, this doesn't seem like a smart move by MJF. I have to say now, again, I will say a hundred times MJF and WWE is intriguing as hell. MJF and WWE, there's so much you could do. To me, the one of the best pairings you could have with MJF is against John Cena. Now, again, we're many steps away from that. Right? Like MJF has to actually get to WWE first, and then you have to agree to that match. And then, there's a lot of steps, but in you know, as fans, we fantasy book. To me, MJF and John Cena. That is a that's a fireworks show that's ready to explode on the mic. And there's not many people that are as good or better on the mic than John Cena. I think MJF may surpass him and would torch him on the microphone. It would be so much fun. Now, again, I, I before we even get there, of course, there's a lot to discuss and a lot to get through. And we may have to wait till 2024 or beyond until that happens, if it happens. But uh, I wanted to start off with that, guys. It uh, does seem that MJF and, and AEW are not in a good spot. And this is not storyline. If it's storyline, I'd be very disappointed in that. Very. I, I, I don't believe it is. Just like Naomi and Sasha, there's certain PR that's not bad. But when you're trying to bring in legit news outlets to, to uh, reverberate your news... And they trust you that it's not a storyline, and then it comes out that it's a storyline. Guess what? They're not going to want to do the next time that there's a big story. Cover what you have to say, right? So, let, let me know what you guys think about that. We'll see if MJF does no show AEW's Double or Nothing. I, I mean, I don't know enough about AEW's product, but it, I mean, it seems plausible from everything you, I mean, I'm reading. And uh, boy, it's going to be an interesting story as it develops. There's no question about that. So, all right, as we shift away from AEW here, let's talk about uh, WWE and get into, well, let's get into Riddle. I want to talk about Riddle because, again, I don't even know, I'm not even going to bother talking about this anymore. It just We just all accept it because it's going to fall on deaf ears and apparently I'm just in an echo chamber when it comes to this whole thing about the draft and how the announcers aren't even addressing the fact that someone, you know, someone from raw is here and they shouldn't be. He, Michael Cole did say, and from Monday night raw, Kevin Owens is here, but it's not as if it was a problematic thing. It's just, it's, it's a kind of just a, Oh, look, cool. It's Kevin Owens from raw. Well, why is he here? How is this happening? How is this happening when there's a draft? (laughs) Why bother with the draft? So, I won't get into that, but uh, Riddle shows up as Shinsuke's partner. And, you know, the crowd popped for him, right? The crowd popped for Riddle, and Riddle is a likable guy. He showed a lot of range compared to normal, right? Compared to his normal promos of just being the sidekick of Randy on Monday night, he showed a lot of emotion and uh, was able to really put in some some acting that I thought was uh, very well done. Uh, by the way, if it sounds like I... S- sound different. I switched microphones about 13 minutes in. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, nothing's wrong with my original. I just had to, tried to switch for the moment. But, uh, anyway, so I think with Riddle, he's in a good spot with Shinsuke. They didn't really do anything with this segment. Like it didn't result in a match. It was just kind of like, Oh, here's my partner. This is eventually who's going to face you. You know that that that's pretty much it, um, and so it was more of a it was more of a hey here's what's coming, rather than this is what you're going to get right now. So I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was, I think it's fine. Riddle and Shinsuke I think are going to have some nice chemistry together. 
They're both kind of goofy. Shinsuke um, and their in-riddle styles, I think, are going to mesh very well to in-ring. So do I think that they're going to be the ones to take the belts off of the, uh, the, the Usos? Absolutely not. Now, speaking of the Usos, Jay Uso's promo at the beginning of Monday Night, or Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, was excellent. And did I buy into his spiel about being, uh, you know, up and down the road and all the miles and 12 years and no cap, which, boy, he likes to make sure that he's saying all the latest lingo for uh, for pop culture, doesn't he? No cap. I had to figure, by the way, it, only a few months ago I knew what cap meant. But so <clears throat> it was very well done. And he showed you that it's not just all about you the twos and we the ones. I mean, we got there, but it was well done in the in the fact that it was trying to pull at your heartstrings and trying to convince you that, wait a minute, maybe they, they aren't such bad guys after all. And I think that Jay did that very nicely in talking about how uh, we grew up in front of you and all he wanted to ever do was be an entertainer. I hated that part. I have to say, the part where he said that he's an entertainer, like he's some kind of magician at a community theater or something. That part I did not like because I don't want I don't want wrestlers calling themselves entertainers ever. That is I I would take superstar any day of the week, twice on Sunday before I hear a wrestler refer to themselves as an entertainer. That to me was just that was the worst part of the whole thing. And it wasn't meant to be bad. It's just the language used here was uh that that was that was I don't, did anyone else get bothered by that? Don't call yourself an effing entertainer, please. So we did eventually get to the part where they said they don't need anybody, right? And they pulled the rug out from underneath us, which I think got a lot of people. And I like bought in a little because they did feel they did you know, feel very heartfelt and the length of time that it went on. You know, typically when there's that swerve of pulling the rug out from underneath you, it doesn't last long more than a minute or two. This went on for several minutes and I was like, oh, okay, maybe they're doing something here. But when you look back, it's like, why would they ever do that with Roman Reigns attached at the hip here? Um, And he didn't even make it on the show. Roman Reigns was not on the show, which is in line with all of the previous thinking and reporting that Roman is going to a much more limited schedule. Even for live TV, SmackDowns, he's not scheduled to be there every week. And I know that that bothers a lot of people. I know that a lot of people want Roman on the uh, on the card every week. And you know what? If I was going to SmackDown in my arena, I would expect Roman Reigns and want him to be there. Because he's the biggest thing that SmackDown has right now. And he's been the biggest thing that SmackDown has had for a year and a half since he turned heel in August of 2020. Um, No, more than a year and a half. I keep saying that. It's almost two years. It's insane. We should maybe do like a full two-year review of Roman Reigns as a heel. Like uh, kind of a a, a report card or review or something like that. I think that would be a lot of fun. But... Anyway, uh, I think the Usos did an excellent job here, and they also showed range. Just like Riddle showed range on Raw, opening Raw, the Usos opened SmackDown showing a lot of range, particularly Jey Uso, who, if you remember, when he was struggling with uh, bowing to and kneeling to Roman Reigns as the head of the table, if you remember that, and the promos he cut, he can actually be a really good babyface. And... It, it, it just reminds you because it's been so long since Jey Uso's been a babyface. He's just been the, uh, the you know, the, the 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 henchman for Roman Reigns. But um, yeah. So this was good stuff. And Shinsuke and Riddle, I think, are going to be a lot of fun together. I think that they're going to have a lot of hilarious moments backstage. That even if they're scripted, still may come off funny because of uh, Riddle's like bro and having Shinsuke try to. Maybe mimic some of the some of the, uh, the 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 phrases that Riddle says. It could be really funny with his heavy accent. So 
that to me is is something that I'm looking forward to. Riddle and Shinsuke, I think, are going to be a very entertaining group. Now, when you look ahead to SummerSlam, the reports are that Randy Orton is scheduled to go one-on-one with Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. So my whole fatal four-way fantasy that I booked last week where I said at SummerSlam, I convinced myself out of nowhere that it's going to be a fatal four-way elimination match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, meaning it would have been Riddle versus Randy versus um, Drew versus Roman at SummerSlam. Um, I I, I do see where they also could go one-on-one, Randy versus uh, Roman, and that is a hell of a match also. Given that Randy's a babyface, which doesn't happen often when you look at the totality of his career, you look at how great Roman Reigns has been. And I know there's a lot of people who are just tired of Roman, tired of Roman Reigns or tired of his gimmick. But I think also a lot of the time away from TV is going to help. So I think, that, yeah, Randy versus Riddle, or sorry, excuse me, Randy versus Roman at SummerSlam is also certainly SummerSlam worthy. Now, WWE, if you notice, moved their... Uh, Money in the Bank event to a smaller venue. They called it a more intimate setting at MGM Studios uh, in in Vegas. So they can say it's Vegas. They can say it's MGM. The fact of the matter is they were not selling tickets the way they wanted to in the stadium setting for Money in the Bank. And look, I, I also I, I kind of want to uh, gloat at that or, or rather um, tease WWE about it. But at the same time, Money in the Bank is not a uh, an A pay-per-view. It's not one of the big four, right? Money in the Bank, it's it's fun because you're like, okay, cool, who's going to win the suitcase? But that's about it. Like, it's a very top-heavy pay-per-view. It's not viewed. Most people wouldn't view it as, you know, a top three pay-per-view for the year. And they're trying to turn it into a stadium show that really it has no right in doing. So I think them not or, or going to MGM is a smart move because ticket sales were bad and it's still a big venue and you're still in a big city. So they, they've done everything that they can do to cut the size of the venue, but also try to make sure that the prestige in the city they're in is uh, you know, a list, so to speak. All right. I'm going to take a quick pause for the sponsors of today's episode. And then I'll be back on the back end with a ton more stuff, guys. We've got a lot more to get through right after this. You got to check out the mentality show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the mentality show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook live real men, real talk, the mentality show. You can find them anywhere. You stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just look up the mentality show. If you're looking for a -a one-of-a-kind wrestling merchandise website, then check out WrestleMerchCentral.com. That's WrestleMerchCentral.com. They're a UK and European-based company, and what they do is sell merchandise on behalf of wrestlers, promotions, podcasts, wrestling designers, anyone or anything pro wrestling related. They're no strangers to the world of wrestling and wrestling merchandise. And they're brought to you by the team at event merchandising limited. Welcome back to the WWE podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right, let's get back to Monday Night Raw here uh, and SmackDown as this is the week in review. But on Monday Night Raw, again, you can listen to my full review here on the uh, WWE podcast. But we were headlined by a couple of things on Monday Night Raw. Cody Rhodes, he defeated The Miz via disqualification. That's not really the story here. The story here is Rollins and Miz, or rather uh, Rhodes after the match getting whipped by Seth Rollins across the back with a weightlifting belt. Um, and I, I just realized at the beginning of this open, I said that, uh, Rollins or Seth, um, and Rhodes were in an interview and that, you know, Rhodes said, I'll see you in hell. That was actually last week, not, not this current week or th- this past week. It was two weeks ago. Uh, I'm losing track of time here, guys, but this past week, it wasn't 
Rhodes saying to Rollins, I'll see you in hell. It was Rollins whipping Rhodes. So I'm sure you opened the show like, wait a minute, that happened two weeks ago. Yeah, my bad. I'm just realizing this 20 some minutes into the show. And uh, so, but I'm just flat out too lazy to edit it. So that's what you get here. High quality stuff here on the WWE podcast. Only the best for you guys. Uh, So we got a pretty rough segment here, at least in terms of uh, welts on Cody's back. I mean, um, there's no way to fake that. And Rhodes getting whipped with the belt. There's no way to put that nicely amp things up to the next level. It makes you want to see Rhodes beat down Rollins, even though you've seen him beat Rollins twice. And it, I think it ramps up the anticipation for their Hell in a Cell event, which is uh, coming up in just a week. And and you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to that match. What I hope they don't do is just have a pure wrestling match and, and look at the cell as like, oh, that's right. We have the cell here. Let me throw you into it a couple of times. My hope is that they find creative ways to to uh, involve the cell or maybe somehow, as we all hope every single time there's a Hell in a Cell match, hope that somehow they're able to get out of it, right? Like somehow escape the cell and do stuff on top of the cell. I mean, that it, we are all sick human beings, but don't tell me that you don't want that. I mean, every single time you're like, hmm, how do they get out? I hope they get out so they can do spots on top of the cell. Um, Like it's, you know, a a video game and there's no consequences to these actual human beings uh, well-being. So, but, uh, but I do hope that they have a great match. I just hope that they don't just turn it into a wrestling classic, so to speak. We've seen that twice now. I want to see what they're both capable of from a brutality standpoint. So, uh, by the way, Preview and prediction show is coming later this week. I don't have a co-host as of yet, but um, that is just something that I want to let you guys know as it is a live or a premium live event week. Also, as I'm just remembering, the AEW show for the next four weeks is up for grabs. So if anybody out there wants to cover AEW just for the next month, once a week, you talk about AEW, that's it. That's all the requirement is you have to, uh, of course, the other thing is you got to love wrestling and you got to have, you know, at least a decent quality microphone and we can talk. Send me a sample if you're interested at real at gmail.com. All right. Um, so that's the job opening, but l- let's uh, move on here. Uh, let's see. Oh, Ezekiel and Chad Gable had a match where Ezekiel beat Chad Gable MVP Defeated Bobby Lashley via countout when Omas distracted Lashley outside the ring. And so MVP does get to choose the stipulation for the match between Lashley and Omas at Hell in a Cell. So that's also a nice hook for Monday night is what stipulation does MVP choose for this match between these two, which presumably will be their final match. It could be inside the cell, given it's a Hell in a Cell event. We don't know yet. I mean, it it could be any number of things. So uh, let's see here. Alexa Bliss defeated Nikki A.S.H. Apparently, Alexa did an interview. I I still didn't watch it. Uh, I probably should. uh, And I know that you guys were like, no, she did talk. But no one said what she told me. Like, or, Or no one's told me what she said yet. So that tells me that she said absolutely nothing. It was a bunch of just probably generic... Uh, you know, pre-match interview throwaway stuff. But um, I'll have to go back and listen. I do really want to hear more from Alexa Bliss. Like, I want to sit down interview with her. That's what I want. I want to sit down interview for you to explain what the hell has happened the last two years. Give us the rundown. Be straight. That's what I want. I think that could revive her character. Because right now fans are like, oh, that's right, it's Alexa. We, we love you, I think. You know, are you still going to do Hocus Pocus? Lily's still there. Why? You know, it's weird. Veer Mahan appeared on uh, Jerry the King Lawler's King Court. We already went over how embarrassing that was. But on SmackDown, we had Shanky, who used to be with Veer and uh, with um, Jinder Mahal. And uh, all th- all three of them used to be some kind of weird little faction. But on, on SmackDown, we got Shanky, who is jamming out to his own theme or to Jinder Mahal's theme song backstage as Jinder was looking frantically for Shanky as their match was up against Los Lotharios. And he heard music and he opened the door and Shanky was, uh, you know, dancing to 
Jinder's theme music. And then on SmackDown, I know I'm transitioning a little bit to SmackDown here. I'll get back to the rest of Raw in just a second. But while I'm on this particular match with uh, Shanky and Jinder versus Los Lotharios, uh, Los Lotharios is starting to creep me out. And not in a way that's a that's a good way. In a way that just makes me un- uncomfortable and not want to watch. Again, yeah, it's not heel heat here because I don't have any investment in them. They're want seeing them get beat up is of immaterial to me. It doesn't doesn't make me want to tune in to WWE to see that. Like I wouldn't pay money to see that. Is what I'm saying. So that's how you know it's not real good heel heat. It's a channel changing, cringing kind of heat. And it's not to say that that uh, Umberto and Angel Garza are bad in the ring. They're they're excellent in the ring. Yeah, of course. But their overt sexuality is bizarre, uh, and it's a little much. Where that that's all their gimmick is is, hey, honey, can we kiss you? Oh, oh, you know, mommy, you know, look at yeah. It's a little much. Their kiss cam, where there always happens to be a an attractive lady in the exact same spot every week. And then they magically disappear in the next five minutes after they do that. Like I, there have been so many times, cause I actually make this a task for myself on a weekly basis is to take a look and see wherever that attractive woman was. Is she still there during the match? The answer is no. And it, it's so obviously a plant that the kiss cam needs to go away. It's so phony. Okay, it's not real. You take it away from your gimmick, please. I, I I know that that's their thing. I don't think they will, but it's just like I don't know. It's so obvious that th- this is not authentic, but they won't. And that's you know I understand why they don't, but I I also would uh, advise strongly against it because it's just so phony. And and um, you know so the other thing is they were what made it even worse than that is that Los Lotharios were like kind of, they were hitting on the ring announcer, Samantha, I can't remember her name, I forgive me, but they were hitting on the ring announcer, trying to get her to, I, I don't know what, like just kind of gyrating their bodies at her in a very, uh, you know, overtly sexual way. And then Shanky, after he lost the match and Jinder cussed him out and Jinder left, started dancing to the ring announcer and also hitting on her. So this is bad in a couple of ways. I'm actually on a few levels for both gender or rather for Shanky and Los Lotharios. It's not a good look because again, Los Lotharios does this on a weekly basis and they're also trying to get Shanky involved in this. I guess this is kind of a babyface turn as he gets kind of he gets uh, you know his his uh, ears reamed out by by Jinder for losing the match, and then he tries to turn WWE tries to turn him babyface by dancing sexually or, or I guess not sexually but just dancing in a way that's still trying to hit on this woman. So that that that's not exactly great character development, but I think fans are supposed to be entertained by it. I think that's the point. But then. The second part of this is you're treating women kind of like a throwback to the Attitude Era where you're just trying to hit on them and pick them up and, you know, just make it a kind of a sexual undertone story. Now, it's not an, a true storyline in the sense that they have an end, you know, a, a, a beginning, middle and end for this, I don't think. But it just made me get the icky feeling. For this, and it's not something that to me that was entertaining at all. Um, but the match itself was okay. I mean, for for whatever the hell it was, right? It, which was all to just turn Shanky into a babyface. So uh, let's see what else happened on Raw. I'll just run through it quickly. Rhea and Damian Priest defeat AJ Styles and Liv Morgan via pinfall, and Riddle and the Street Profits defeat the Usos and Sami Zayn via pinfall. So. Pretty big matches there on Monday Night Raw. I, I remember covering, covering Raw in pretty uh, pretty good detail regarding the Judgment Day and all three of their promos and Edge's, uh, which of course was led by Edge's promo, uh, basically having an open call, uh, a casting call, if you will, for the next member or members of the Judgment Day, which is great because it does 
it creates a lot of uh, speculation among fans. It gets people talking and thinking and wondering and guessing and all these things, which is so much fun to do. So, um, you know, there's a lot of candidates here and a lot of them that were front runners that the fans said were front runners. Edge brought to the forefront and said those names like Ciampa, like Finn Balor, like AJ Styles. So you wonder if because Edge mentioned them, now they're not going to happen. So we don't know. We don't know. But uh, right now, to me, the Judgment Day is one of the highlights of Monday Night Raw. Really loving the Judgment Day. Um, oh, of course. Oh, rather, I missed the main event. Becky versus Asuka with the winner. Or if rather, if Asuka win, loses and Becky wins, I'll get it straight. Becky gets added to the women's championship match at Hell in a Cell, making it a triple threat. And as fate would have it, Becky Lynch does defeat Asuka with the good old-fashioned roll-up. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, that covered Monday Night Raw, again, on a very high level. But you can go listen to my full Monday Night Raw review at the uh, earlier uh, earlier this week. Many, many shows back, actually, by this point. But let's dive in a little bit more to SmackDown here and talk about the New Day. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, they were going to face the, uh, the the Brawling Brutes, formerly known as Fight Night, which I actually liked Fight Night better. I don't know if they were too worried about getting, getting the name too close to Fright Night, which is a really cheesy 80s like horror thriller about vampires who um, like move in next door. And I, I remember watching it when I was younger and it scared me because I was younger, but now watching, I've watched it like, I think last year, just out of curiosity. And it's so cheesy. It's not a bad movie per se. It's just, just the, the cheese is at an all time level with some of the stuff, uh, with the eighties music and the, the overacting and the special effects and the, the stereotypes of, uh, of certain things. It's, um, it's not a bad movie, but it, anyway, if you guys know, you if you know, you know, right? As they say. But in this particular instance here with this matchup, we had Kofi tease last week who they were going to bring in this week to even the odds, and it ended up being Drew McIntyre. And, you know, the, the crowd popped for this, as they should, even though Drew McIntyre um, has been involved in a program with... Uh, the the Usos and you th- and Roman Reigns and you thought they were going to get to Roman and Drew and then they pulled back and so uh, yeah it's it's getting <laughs> the Drew Roman storyline is going to be the longest running storyline of all time <laughs> okay because you could uh, you could argue that it started at Survivor Series of 2020 in the exhibition match that I still strongly disagree with and have problems with and it will likely go through 2023 or beyond. This is going to be a very long story arc, guys. So just seriously, put a seatbelt on and enjoy the ride here. All right. Well, that was uh, that was the big reveal was Drew McIntyre was their mystery partner to take on Seamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch. And, of course, Drew and company win. So, uh, you know, th- there's no surprise there. Here's some analysis that um, I'm reading from other another site here. It says, the interplay between... Oh, I didn't even talk about that. Um, so I'll get there in a minute. Which was Sami Zayn. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. But uh, he, uh, he, meaning Drew McIntyre, tagged in Woods, who cl- climbed the ropes and hit the limit breaker for the victory after uh, we had McIntyre lay out Holland with a Claymore kick. So a very decisive... Fairly quick. I think it was like an eight-minute match for uh, for the victory here with New Day and Drew. And um, yeah, I, I I just I have to say, Drew and the New Day are are on polar opposite sides here for me because you have the New Day who have been hanging on to the same gimmick, saying the same lines, doing the same things for seven years, where Drew has been evolving. Right, Drew. It feels authentic. Drew is a guy that has a mission. New Day are more interested in playing video games, coming up with stupid catchphrases where, you know, Xavier's just, for whatever reason, can't hold a microphone like everybody else and has to be different and hold it like some kind of, you know, uh, 
$10,000 wine in his glass. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I, there's so many things about the new day that I, I feel like I'm just boring you guys at this point with how much I despise the entire, the entire group, especially Kofi Kingston, who is the absolute worst character you could imagine. I couldn't design a worse wrestling character, not from an in-ring character. Character, 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 obnoxious, repetitive, um, just uh, there's there's really no redeeming qualities about him. Arrogant, yet trying to be funny, and he's not. Just, I mean, a litany of things that are just the worst. So uh, that's in terms of character. In ring, we all know Kofi Kingston can absolutely hold his own. I mean, in ring, I've got nothing to say there. But uh, anyway, moving on here. I, I do want to uh, move on to something else. So Sami Zayn. So Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens had a KO show. He was going to bring out a member of the bloodline. We all knew it wasn't going to be Roman Reigns. We all maybe thought it was going to be it was going to be one of the Usos. Sami Zayn comes out and they hug and they talk about how they have they've had their differences, but they've mended them, which I've done. Like I, I really can't even keep track anymore how many times Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have you know been together, broken up, been together, broken up. It's whatever at this point. They um hugged it out and then they start. They start out the interview very friendly, and it just devolves from there. Where Kevin's like, "Oh, I remember this side of you, the delusional side, right?" And he's trying to knock some sense into Sammy, telling him that the bloodline is not really their friend, that they're not interested. And he tries to. Uh, we had Ko call out the bloodline; they never came uh, out and and supported Sammy. So Sammy says, "You don't know what you're talking about." He shoves Kevin Owens, and he goes to the back, and he confronts Jimmy and Jay. And say, you know, is that true? And it, it seems like there's some element, element of truth to what Kevin Owens said. And we had, I think it was Jimmy who caved and said that we'll give you an honorary membership to the bloodline. And so it's a very, um, a bit of a distant relationship. He's not quite in the group. I mean, I don't think he'll be in the locker room hanging out with Roman and them, but I think that still Sami Zayn being involved in the bloodline is infinitely more interesting to me than Sami Zayn being involved with uh, Johnny Knoxville. Okay. Um, So a massive step up for Sami Zayn in my estimation. And it looks like Sami's just going to be used, abused and, you know, torn up and thrown away by the, by the uh, bloodline after they're done using him for whatever gain that they see fit. So uh, that's that. Now, what else happened on SmackDown? Shotzi tried to rally the women's division against Raquel Rodriguez because Raquel once again took an opportunity to face Ronda on SmackDown. The winner gets an opportunity, uh, or rather the um, the winner presumably gets a future opportunity for the SmackDown Women's Championship. But the, the hilarious part was Shotzi actually said that Zia Lee was undefeated. Anybody else catch that? Isaiah Lee's had, what, like two matches on SmackDown? So to say you're undefeated, uh, that's like saying um, yeah, if you if you start the baseball season and you get two hits in your first two at-bats, you could technically say, um, I have not, I, I have gotten a hit every single time I've gotten up to bat, right? The sample size is stupid small. So when she said that, I'm like, is that the only thing she could say about Zia Lee? I, I mean, I guess. And most people don't dive into it. And they just go, oh, yeah, probably. That's that's right. Yeah, it's because she's had like two matches on SmackDown. But we got uh, Shotzi, who seems to be leading the group here and um, just trying to rally against Raquel Rodriguez. And once everyone was out of the room, she went to go get her... I don't know her uh, her her hat or whatever part of her costume that she wears, and she got locked in the room by Aaliyah. Aaliyah locked her into the women's locker room, so she couldn't be a part of what was about to happen. So during the Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez match, it ended in a no contest because Natalia and Shayna attacked them, leading into an impromptu uh, impromptu tag team match. But the most interesting part about all of this, 
was the face-off between Shayna and Ronda. And you could feel that. And the crowd felt it. To me, out of everything I just said about what happened with the women on SmackDown, that was the most interesting moment was Ronda and and uh, and uh, Shayna Baszler going face-to-face because they are. it's well-documented with them that they have been... They've been friends. They train together. So what happens when they go face-to-face? That's that's a fun question to think about. And it would be even better and more fun if they didn't have Shayna Baszler jobbing out you know, every few weeks or being buried in the tag team or whatever. If this was the I snap everyone's arm that gets in the ring with me, Shayna, this would be interesting as hell. I mean, it's still fun, but not as at, at a maximum place that it could be so that to me was a really fun moment and let's see here oh wwe informed fans that mad cat moss will return next week so there's that if you know i'd I'd love to talk to somebody that's tuning into smackdown just for that um gunther and ludwig kaiser defeated ricochet and drew gulak after kaiser struck gulak with a penalty kick and then uh gunther and kaiser attacked ricochet and gulak after the match a dominating performance and really a um, a bit of a, a debut for Ludwig Kaiser, who many people kind of viewed him, if you haven't seen him before, as this kind of spokesman or manager, so to speak, for Gunther. That's not the case. I mean, he actually got the victory for his team instead of Gunther. Gunther was barely in the match. And it, it was all about Ludwig Kaiser in a lot of ways here, which was surprising to me. And... Uh, so I had no problem with this. And I think Walter, i.e. Gunther, has got a very bright future in front of him, meaning top, top guy with the top belt. I'll leave it at that. Um, Let's see. What else? Oh, WWE aired a video package for the U.S. veterans in time for Memorial Day. And look, WWE puts them out every single time that there is a national holiday. And good for them. I really have nothing against it. This one, because I've seen so many... I almost skipped through it, but I didn't. And uh, it was very emotional this time around. And maybe because of what, how much crap's going on in the world, I don't know. But with uh, the, the 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 people at the graves of their fathers, and and you know, you have little girls crying, and and like all, they they really chose pictures that pulled at the heartstrings. So uh, kudos to the WWE production team as always for an amazing job on that video for the Memorial Day um, Memorial Day tribute. So good stuff there. Really enjoyed it. I normally don't talk about those video packages because they're a dime a dozen. We've all seen them a million times, but I actually paid attention to this one. So uh, let's see. What else did happen? There was something else that happened here. And <clears throat> it was, oh, oh, uh, Dupree, who uh, Max Dupree, who is, uh, is, I guess, in search of male models. And he's in backstage, and he he uh, was trying to get a job last week, and management decided that, yeah, your contract's valid. You can come and do what you, whatever you need to do. He's here as a male modeling agent or something, a recruiting agent. I'm not sure. But he reminds me a lot of, like, R- Rene Dupree and, um, oh, gosh, what was the name of that tag team? Rene... Dupree, they were like 20-some-year-old guys from uh, the Ruthless Aggression era. Right when Stone Cold stopped wrestling, there was this uh, French tag team. And it was uh, Rene Dupree. And hold on, let me get it. now. See, now i got to look it up here. Many of you are screaming it, but I want to find out. Rene Dupree, hold on a second. See, I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Oh my God, La Resistance! How the hell did I miss it, guys? I'm so I'm out of it. <laughs> La Resistance, who uh, it was Sylvain Ranier and Rene Dupree as La Resistance. Uh, so that uh, it reminds me of that. I don't maybe because of just Dupree. I'm not sure, um, but I don't know what to make of Max Dupree yet. I really don't. I think I I, I can't draw a verdict because I don't know much about him. Uh, other than he's a smug heel who is uh, trying to bully Adam Pierce, I guess, I uh, for whatever that's worth. So 
Uh, let's see what else is happening. Did I cover everything? At least the big ticket items, guys. I, I know I don't go through every detail, and many of you point out the things I miss, and I appreciate that. Um, I think that might have done it for me this week in WWE. Guys, I really appreciate you listening. If you want an ad-free experience, go over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast, or you can head over to our uh, website at wwpodcast.com. Use promo code Roman, get 50% off, or Apple Podcasts. I also would ask one more thing. If you want to help out the show even more, please subscribe to our after show. It's the WWE Podcast After Show. Search for it in any podcast app you have. You'll see it. Our logo and then it just says After Show underneath it. And I do provide a lot of uh, tips and tricks. If you're trying to start a podcast, it's right in there. It's episode number one. And I hope you guys enjoy it. This is not the R-rated podcast. That's After Dark, okay? The, uh, the, the PG version, that's an extended version of this show, which is the After Show, is available everywhere you can get podcasts. So please go and subscribe as we continue to create as much content, excuse me, as we can for you guys. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Anthony DeMarco on the current state of WWE and a whole lot more this week as it is the Hell in a Cell event week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, take care. I'll talk to you next time. If you're looking for a -a one-of-a-kind wrestling merchandise website, then check out WrestleMerchCentral.com. That's WrestleMerchCentral.com. They're a UK and European-based company, and what they do is sell merchandise on behalf of wrestlers, promotions, podcasts, wrestling designers, anyone or anything pro wrestling related. They're no strangers to the world of wrestling and wrestling merchandise, and they're brought to you by the team at Event Merchandising Limited. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.